Oh, there we go. I have to hit it twice now instead of once for some reason, and I keep, I don't know. So Dan Rosen from Toronto, this is July 9th. This will, because I'm only dropping them once a week now, will probably go out August 5th. Sure. So the whole world could be completely different by the time okay. this podcast gets put out. For sure. I mean, my whole world could be completely different. My wife is due to give birth in the next two and a half weeks or so. so. Your whole world will be completely different by the time yeah. it comes out. Yeah. If that's she, right. If she's due in two and a half weeks, they won't let her go that much over. So oh, yeah, that's true. will definitely yeah. have a baby. I hope it's on August 5th when this comes out, but not for your yeah. wife's sake. No, no, no. I think very much for her sake. It's She's like the end of happy. July. So, yeah. Is it your first child? First child, yeah. First. Uh, uh, due dates mean nothing. So pardon? Due dates mean nothing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, be, I don't know if you've ever been pregnant. I've never been pregnant. So it's yeah, like a whole new. You. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was Fair pregnant enough. four times in five years from 1996 oh. to 2001. Uh, Damn. I mean, I gave birth to them all. Thank you for your service. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got pregnant like February of 96 the first time. And then I got pregnant. I don't know when I got pregnant with my last one, but I gave birth to him December 31st of 2001. So. Wow. Yeah. So that's like five and a half, less than six years for four kids. Yep. Very, very impressive. Uh, it's pretty normal back where I'm from in Wichita, Kansas. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, it's shocking that my daughters, my daughters are 23 and 21, and it's pretty shocking they don't have children. Or at least oh, right. a couple children, honestly. Yeah. They're females, they're in Wichita, they're half Hispanic. So. I remember I had a friend of mine who was Icelandic, and she was like 21. And she was saying like, oh, like I, I just feel bad. Like all my friends ha all have kids and they're still waiting on me to have kids. And for me, like I was like, at the time I was like in my early twenties as well. I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, like most of them got pregnant 16, 17 back home. Yeah. yeah like, um, you didn't have one senior year or like, like I got pregnant, um, what would have been my senior year, but I graduated high school a year early. Had I been okay. in high school still, I, pro I wouldn't have got pregnant um with the first you were one. you were so smart you got it like ahead of the curve but then it gave you too much free time to get pregnant i'm an idiot i got pregnant on purpose <laughs> oh i see well, okay. well i wanted I mean, a baby i i took my perfectly good birth control pill and threw it down the sink when i was 18 because i wanted a baby so that i would always have someone to love me and then <laughs> me and my oldest daughter don't talk <laughs> but i got three more so it's fine yeah, well, that's why, like, it's sort of, like, you play the, uh, it's like playing the percentages. You have more kids, so that way, if, like, one or two of them have a falling out, then you've got a couple more. I definitely recommend having two, because you never, I mean, unless you just have one. Like, if my younger daughter had been my only child, like, she's just real good and easy. I would have thought, par I would have been like, everyone should be a parent. This is nothing, you know. <laughs> She was a good baby. She didn't cry a lot. She didn't really want to be held a lot. She uh, was very self-sufficient from a baby. So, uh, and she just got good grades because she wanted them and she kept her room clean because she liked it that way and 
Yeah. What are you going to do? Oh, nice. Yeah, she sure. is naturally already uh, ready, you know, like she just came out that way. <laughs> yeah. Her dad likes to claim it's him, but it's not. She just, <laughs> the credit all goes to her. She yeah. just came out that way. Um, Cause he's also the father of my oldest daughter who is, who is not okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and it's true. Like my brother and I, I mean, we have like a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of big differences. Uh, like he's much more like anxious person and like he, was the really rebellious, cool kid growing up, whereas I was more the quiet, like nerdy, goofy kid. Yeah. Um, and then that, but then like also like he, even like physically, like he's in the picture of physical health, like this like sort of super buff, ripped like that's weird country usually guy. The, usually the cool kids. Well, is it he's a country cool kid? Well, he moved out to the country. Oh. He, whereas I'm I'm in this like sort of the just in the tip of Toronto and yeah. this like neighborhood called Thornhill that's like where all the Jewish people move to get more affordable real estate. I want to go there. Stereotype but it's true. <laughs> I wanted to get a little Jew in me. <laughs> Not you, you're married obviously. And yeah. I'm just saying like I yeah. like a, I'd like to live amongst a bunch of Jewish men see how that goes. They're funny. <laughs> yeah that's true a lot I, of good funny Jewish men. Back. I like short For ones. sure. It's a, <laughs> and yeah, very short. It's, fun, it's funny because I'm really into basketball and I was talking about the friends of mine, how like no matter what, like we don't know the gender or the, you know, like uh, the sex of our baby. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, we'll find out when the baby comes out. But uh, yeah. I said, regardless of the sex, I want the baby to be like really into basketball. Like I'm going to really train them to be like, you know, like a basketball star. Uh, and then a friend of mine joked, he's like, well, congratulations on your, like, small to, like, average height Jewish child doing well in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think they're going to be a star, buddy. Okay, but yeah. they, may, uh, they may enjoy it like you do. My yeah. my friend, uh, he's really into, like, Oklahoma Thunder basketball hmm. here in, 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 in America. And yeah. uh, he, his daughter loves it she he takes her to games and she's like three or four now but yeah she yeah. loves she's got a little jersey and she loves basketball but that's because she loves her daddy i don't know if that'll continue when she gets older but i'm sure it will yeah my dad instilled in me a love for star trek oh nice uh, like all the star all the star treks yeah mostly next generation oh okay cool that was the one i grew up on yeah. i didn't really like i've seen some of the others but like yeah like captain picard was like the captain yeah. I grew up with. Yeah, and Commander Riker, that's my name. Uh, oh, nice. oh, right, yeah. of course. Yeah, we are ancestors of his. Um, nice. Eventually they changed the name to R-I-K-E-R because they were just sick of people spelling it wrong. Right, um, And it just makes sense. And uh, yeah. yeah, and he has the coloring. I mean, if you look at pictures of my dad before he grayed and stuff, yeah, it, he, he looks like he could be descendants of ours. The dark hair, the dark eyes, the dark, yeah. He looks like he could definitely oh, cool. be from our bloodline. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I grew up with a neighbor who looked so much like uh, Jonathan Franks. Uh, okay. Like he was like the spitting image and he was a surgeon. And he also oh, he was a surgeon for me on my two, uh, I had two like abdominal operations for Crohn's yeah. disease. Uh, and so, 
it was like I could say in a way I had Commander Riker operate on me growing up. I'm just excited thinking about there's a there's an actual another human man in the world that looks like that. Yeah, yeah. Is he single? Where's he at? Well, um, no, here I'm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old. How old are you? Yeah. I'm 34. Yeah, just turned 34. It's a good time to have a kid. Yeah, my Great. wife's a couple couple years older though. Definitely. I'm more. I've I've mostly dated older women, like not yeah. by choice, but it just worked out that way. Uh, yeah. I I used to always date older men. Um two or three years i think eight was probably the mm -hmm. longest was the biggest gap when i was like yeah. he was like i was like 30 he was like 38 um yeah. but now i date i date younger men like um mm -hmm. 30 to 35 is really where i the range i've been in lately and it's not even like i mean i'm open to dating uh older i'm not really open to dating younger necessarily i mean i would i'm not seeking out to date any younger yeah. than but if i mean if the right one came along and we connected and they were i don't know i wouldn't never say never i mean i wouldn't go probably younger than 28 26 just because my kids my oldest kids 23 I could have a 26 year old if I hadn't had a miscarriage in high school. Right. Thank God nature took care of that one. It'd be, stupid. <laughs> it'd, it'd be a stupid, ugly child probably yeah. if it took after its father, but. You have like a Ashton Kutcher, Demi Moore situation yeah. on your hands. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I don't really, I don't really care about age too much. I just, I mean, I have noticed certain things about men my age or older that I don't like. Uh, so if I met a man in his late forties, early fifties that didn't have those traits, um, I would totally be open to it. But for the most part, I just haven't, I've found that I don't have anything in common with men my own age. Um, and they're Fair tired enough. and they're boring. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, especially men like yeah. older than me now, like eight years older than me, like 50 year olds. Yeah. They're just so tired. They're boring. They don't, they aren't uh, woke for lack of a better yeah. word in any way. I mean, they are a little bit, but they're like, I just don't understand all that queer stuff. You know, it just confuses me. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to have to educate some fucking geezer on yeah. gender identities. You know, I, your your gender fluid. What's that mean? I'm like, Google it. Yeah, Grandpa. <laughs> How do you Google? How do you Google? I don't yeah. like the internet. Yeah, fair now, enough. Some of them are like intelligent men that have. You know they're they're they they work on computers. They know how to Google. Yeah. They're still bad. Uh... They're still like, can you tell me about that? No, I don't yeah. feel like educating you about gender identity right now. Why don't you just go fucking figure it out and get back with me? Yeah. And to be <laughs> honest, if Ron Perlman can figure all that stuff out, then everyone else can too. Have you seen Ron Perlman's Twitter? Uh uh yeah, he goes like not like he went like ape shit on like Ted Cruz and like all these other people like J.K. Rowling, anyone who like says anything transphobic, homophobic, misogynistic, uh, yeah. racist. Yeah. 
he's like using his quarantine to become like the best social justice warrior. It's awesome. Um, cause mo- how old is he? Most people that age are doing the opposite. Yeah. Cause he's like late fifties, like maybe 60 now. I don't know, but like, and he's also right? like, pardon? Is 50s the young boomer? Or they maybe, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think maybe the young boomer. Gen, like, what ages are Gen X? I don't know. I don't know. I guess, like, maybe, like, late 30s, early 40s is Gen X. Maybe you're a Gen X. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, millennials are, like, late 30s. Like, 38 is, like, a millennial. That's, like, pushing me. Okay, I see. I'm, yeah. like, in between millennial and Gen X. Oh, I see. Yeah, like how high does Gen X go before we go to boomers, though? Because my brothers are six and four years older than me, so they're like 48, 46, and they're definitely Gen X. Yeah, Um, so they're probably like the like. So I think I think a fifty-year-old could go either way. Yeah, that's true. But they seem to be the ones I meet, which are mostly white men here in Colorado are leaning way more towards boomer for my yeah. case. <laughs> You're um, in Denver, Colorado, right? Is it yes, or, I am. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I have cousins who live in Greeley, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. they, I, I think they moved there, it was for work. Like one of them's a pilot and then yeah. the other is a uh, nurse and then she's moved there to- It's yeah, get, up there, but it, man, it stinks. That's my only problem with Greeley. Like literally smells or yeah, because of all the all the like um, gas plants and uh, cows and there's a lot of smelly industry up there. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I was only I was there once, but mostly it was for we went skiing. So yeah, yeah, we did like the skiing snowboarding thing. It smells good up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're because you're above the gas plants. You're above the cows. You're above the. You're above the city. Hang on. What? Yeah. Open the door. It's fine. Open the door. I guess that uh, stick lamp is larger. No idea. Oh, is it? Yeah. Sorry. No, you're fine. I'm not attached to the stick lamp. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, my dad's fell. Oh. Oh. Here we go. Thank I, you. I've, I've not molested it in any way. <laughs> now it's dark. That's all right. There's still enough light. I don't use the video. That's my roommate. There was a stick lamp in the garage. I thought it was cool. He didn't know who it was. Turns out it was Lars. Lars moved out, so now he's taking the stick lamp. Nice. It's not made of sticks. It's just made, I, I saw like the bottom, but I didn't realize it was just all sticks. Yeah, it's like sticks. It's like the top is like a little like trunk of a tree that's been cut out to the bottom, and then there's just sticks that make the base, and then a lamp thing's been stuck in it. It's pretty cool. Nice. Um, I originally took it because I was going to, like, my youngest child, I was going to take them take it back to um, Kansas for them because they're really into sticks. Yeah. They're 19, 18 now. There's, like that's where like, like sticks is their thing? Like uh, like age of 18, 19? They're I getting into sticks? No, they've always been into sticks. They've, uh-huh. they, uh, when they were, they're not as into sticks as they used to be. When they were younger, like when they were in high school, um, they would bring home they like as they're walking home from school like middle school high school they would drag home these 
huge ass sticks they found or or whatever like originally like it was like their staff you know like you shall not pass and shit <laughs> um or they they would you know spar with them with their friends but then they just kept bringing i was like that is not a stick that's a branch like they started bringing home yeah. the branches like huge just dragging them home and just piling them in the backyard in this pile and i'm like what are you like there was just no reason they just wanted to bring home these sticks and so yeah. when we would move though we would move their pile of sticks with us they're collecting oh, wow. they collected sticks they collected rocks um yeah, they want, all yeah. sorts of things. You want to hear the, I guess, like, weirdest for my parent, from my parents' perspective, thing that, like, my brother ever brought home was after, like, he'd gotten really into, I think, like, sort of, uh, like, more, like, nature education and, uh, like, sort of more, like, he'd been reading up a lot of, like, Native American spirituality and stuff. And so uh, he was driving home one day and saw a dead coyote on the side of the road. And so he took the coyote carcass home and then put it up in my parents' garage and like gutted it and started tanned it because he wanted to use it to make a, uh, like a, co a fur coat out of it. If uh, my child could have gotten away with doing such a thing in my home, yeah, totally would have. Yeah. Or they would have Fair attacked enough. the dormit or something. Yeah. Whereas, I think my parents were like, because it was also like, it was like a new thing for him. My brother had just gotten, like had recently gotten sober. And so it was like, well, this is at least like a more productive than like what he was doing before. So. <laughs> well, he's breaking home dead animals, but at least he's not drunk at noon. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's worse things my kid could have drug home. I. <laughs> he would drug home all sorts of fucking weird shit. Uh, he would walk down by the, because he walked like railroad tracks at a certain yeah. point to get home. And so there's like, he found a, he found a Canadian geese, a goose oh, nice. that had been hit by a train, uh, what was yeah. left of it. And he just, he, so he had all the bones in the, uh -huh. and he put them in the fire pit. Yeah. And so <laughs> then he started, you know, he, like burned the Canada goose? Well, it was dead. Yeah, yeah. But it was just the bones. It sounds like an anti-Canadian hate crime. <laughs> it was just the bones. We're assuming it was yeah. a Canadian goose Canada from the bone yeah. size. I can't think of another bird that large that would have been hit by yeah. a plane here or in Kansas. So true. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like this weird shit. But he uh, he's always had a fascination. Like he got obsessed with like fire when he was like five was playing with fire a lot and I took him to the therapist and it turns out it was because uh he had no control in his life he's the youngest you know so everyone shit on him he had no one to shit on yeah. and he shared a room with his very controlling brother and uh it was like the fire was his way of having control over something uh -huh. and so I was like well shit I need a bigger house so they can share not have to share a room um yeah. so i addressed the issue with the household and got him his own room and then he yeah. stopped we also like built him a fire pit in the backyard any house we went to he built a fire pit and like this is where you burn yeah. things if this is want, where you burn your geese bones yeah <laughs> if you want to play with fire you're going to play with it safely 
And so, I mean, I understand people like fire. I don't know. My roommate sets a fire in the backyard every fucking night almost. He loves fire. Um, it's a guy thing sometimes, but. Yeah, I think um, it is. Yeah, but instead of just being like, no fire, I was like, let's find a healthy, safe way for you yeah. to explore your love of fire. Maybe like, that's really good. firefighter or something someday. Yeah, or let's really get into s'mores or like something, you know, like some other, like, you know, making like cocktail, like hot dog weenies. Yeah, whatever. I don't know what they did out there. I didn't really, uh, yeah. I didn't venture out to the pit much. I only saw the bird bones. I saw bird bones in there. And yeah. uh, I come in and I asked my, my husband at the time, who's not their father, who's their stepdad, I was like, what's up with these bird bones in the fire pit? You know anything about that? And he told me, because I worked and he didn't, so he knew things I didn't know about the kids. He was there when they came yeah. home from school. And uh, I was like, okay, he didn't kill the bird though, right? Like, because <laughs> yeah. you know, he was like, I don't know, freshman in high school. I was like, I don't have like a serial killer on my hands because he's a white male. He could be a serial yeah. killer, school shooter. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. We want to watch like all the telltale signs for sure. He was a bedwetter. Um, he had a head injury uh sixth grade of high school. He got knocked out in the bathroom here in Denver, just sucker punched oh, in the back of the head. That was like a thing at the time. You know, I don't know if you remember or if it happened in Canada, but there was like videos and stuff. People would just go up behind people and punch him in the back of the head and knock him out. Oh, and, really? Wow. Yeah, it was like a whole fucking thing. They thought it was funny. And you could kill someone that way very sure. easily. Um, yeah, he was just found passed out on the bathroom floor. Yeah. He didn't know what happened until he woke up. Okay. And so, so he has a head injury. He was a bedwetter. He did not yeah. have a domineering mother, though. So Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. You may, have, you may have saved him. From becoming a serial killer or a school shooter definitely if i if he had had a different mother he totally could be a serial killer for sure absolutely or father, just like overbearing like some, mother yeah or like a really like shitty stand-up comedian who like only books like other like incel dudes or that kind of thing no he's definitely not gonna be one of those it, i'm trying i was originally i was doing the pronouns i was doing the pronouns right I hope this isn't too loud. I'm going to dab because I slept too late today and didn't dab. Um, it's just so loud. He, uh, he was not a, um, he, they, I have trouble with the pronouns. They're gender fluid. Yeah. I'm trying real hard. I got the name switched. That, that was a little difficult, but it's been years. We switched their name legally and everything. And I kind of do, as you've seen, I kind of go back and forth on the, they, the pronoun thing um but alice isn't too you know upset about that part of it he knows i'm trying at least unlike his dad who just would call him his birth name if he could still get away with it because yeah. he, he was like well until he legally changes it but then even after we legally changed it he still would call him his birth name when he was mad just when he's mad at him which is a great time to do it yeah that'll work it's, well, it's one of those things, I don't know, where, like, I like I used to be called Daniel, and then I went to said, like, like, started going by Dan, and then eventually my friends started calling me Dan. So, like, there was an adjustment. I had some friends who it took them a while. 
That water didn't. No water. That water in no way went down correctly at all. I don't even think it went down my throat. I think it all just came out my nose. Excuse me. Jesus. Oh. This is why also like I. I'm like I like weed, but I am no good at like dabs, buckets, that even a bombs. Weed thing. That was just my inability to drink. Really? <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't drink water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I cleared out my nasal passages. Oh, shit. Like, like yeah. a you know water thing. It's because you need to like if you want to make sure you drink water properly, you need to use two hands. Like the president <laughs> is that does. what it is? I need two hands, like. Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? What is that? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. That's hey. the president, man. Trump got like a standing ovation for doing that in Tulsa. Two hands? For like for drinking water. Like people were cheering and standing up for him just for drinking water. God. <laughs> if I ever get terminal cancer, I'm gonna fucking just blow up a convention of Trump. <laughs> I'm just gonna blow them all up. Um, yeah. Thankfully, no one's gonna yeah. listen to this. I said, if yeah, if, 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 yeah, it works. OJ said, if I did it, and uh, after the president. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're not the only one. You're on like a list of like hundreds yeah. of thousands of people who are who well, said someone, that. Who was it? There was somebody that was like. I don't know if it was a comedian, like their joke, or if somebody said on Facebook, I can't remember, but they're like, will somebody please assassinate him already? Like, I don't get it. Again, like, I don't think it's just one person. I think there's yeah. like probably tens of thousands of- If we could assassinate really JFK, come yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is the problem with the liberal snowflakes. None of the liberal snowflakes assassinate. I guess that's true. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some radical fucking. In fact, that's my that's plan true. for the apocalypse. Like, I'm gonna get. I'm. I'm kind of going through a hippy dippy phase. That's my current. That's my new explorative phase. Um, getting a little hippy dippy. Seeing how I like it. Um. <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> so I'm gonna get like a, a hippy dippy radicalized man that likes guns, but is peace and love until you piss. You know push me too far so yeah um i want to be peace and love but you just won't love me you know <laughs> that's yeah um for the, yeah. Well, great for the zombie apocalypse it'll be great they have guns they know how to use them but they they, yeah. they don't want to use them unless they have to yeah there's um my well my brother is like our family's like zombie apocalypse plan because he so he lives like a bit <clears throat> isolated uh with his girlfriend and their child right now but his like main profession is he works for this school where they teach kids like wilderness survival and like uh, like education techniques. Mm -hmm. So like like how to build stuff over out of you know like like twig like baskets basket weaving out of twig branches. Uh, how to like track animals then like all these different things like what plants and while they're like you know okay to eat or to use for like medicine all that kind of stuff uh and he's you know like years and years after that coyote coyote incident he's made you know like a couple you know jackets out of deer hides and stuff like that 
he has like a bow and arrow hunting license. <clears throat> Pardon me. So he's like our like exit plan. Like he'll be the one to go to. Fuck yeah. Yeah. He, he knows how to do the like friction fire with the sticks together and oh, stuff yeah. like that. I'm you know, my um <clears throat> I did an interview with uh, one of these with a comedian in Quebec, I think, and she she's in Canada. And her mother is an immigration lawyer up there. And I was like, can you ask her what the best way for me to just come up there for three, four years, just until Trump's not president, if he gets reelected again? Yeah. I just can't stomach being on American soil uh, any more than I have to be while he's president. Uh, I want to, I, I, I would love to just move to another country, completely denounce my citizenship and not be American anymore. People are like, if you don't like it, why don't you leave? I'm like, I would if I could, motherfuckers. They don't yeah. want us. That's the thing, it's like, I'm gonna go to Canada. Like, Canada don't want you. you can't just, it's not like they're just like, everyone come here. They're a yeah. country that also has borders and immigration. Uh, yeah. You know, So you have to have, to get a Canadian, to, to, to be able to live there, you have to be providing a, a, some sort of, professional thing that is it, you have to have a career or a job that's needed that's yeah, not it's it's pretty tight it's gotten tighter over the years for sure yeah. um there's even American like a, refugees yeah um who was the comedian by the way from quebec it was i i, I was afraid you're gonna ask me that oh sorry no uh, it's okay i should know i just interviewed but <laughs> Oh, uh, I can start listing names like Monica Hamburg. She's or... a young girl, not young girl, okay. younger woman who, uh, I could tell you one second. She's a younger woman who, um, Lucy I don't think she's been doing it very long. Let me, let me not okay, speak man. without knowing. I don't know. She's in like, Toronto. Do, 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 do. You probably know her. She's in Toronto. Okay. What's wrong? She's, uh, but she just started taking classes in 2019. So, um, okay. where to go? Linda Camacho. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, I know Linda. I didn't know her mom was an immigration lawyer. Oh, cool. Yeah. She's, she, yeah, oh, she's great. She's she a lovely her, person, like, too. She's, she's like 20 years younger than me, but we're like, we're so, we, we, we connected on so many things. She's like, oh my God, I'm just like that. And I was just oh, like, man. let me save you 20 years of hassle, kid. You know what I mean? Like, go ahead <laughs> and just get like I am now. No, but like, <laughs> there's so many things that used to like <clears throat> neurotically bother me when I was in my 20s. So I don't yeah. give a shit about now. Like, yeah. This is an example that her and I connected with, but it's an example of something. I, I'm sure she probably doesn't have a problem with it because the younger generation doesn't. But in my 20s, I, I didn't want a man looking at porn if we were dating or right. in a relationship. I was like, you're cheating, you yeah. know, in your head. And now I'm like, <laughs> I don't give a shit. What kind of porn you into right now, honey? You know, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't want to watch yeah. it with them or anything, but like people I'm dating, we talk about, I'm like, yeah, I'm really gotten into like, I've really gotten into like this or that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's yeah. harder when you live with somebody. For sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think there's stuff that, like, I mean, so I, my relationship with my wife, like I only met her like two and a half, less than three years ago. 
Oh. Um, but it was like, so like if I, like me three years ago is completely different than me now. Like even me a year ago before she got pregnant and a pandemic happened is like a lifetime Dan. Like that's like the old young Dan who, wait, yeah. Like, I can't wait till that baby's here. I might have to re-interview you as my last podcast for this series, this session, like at the uh, end of the year. I want to interview Dan in a year. And then yeah. <laughs> uh, when he's had a baby, when your kid, like right after your kid's first birthday, I'm, I want to, uh, I want to have you on my podcast again, hopefully if it's still going. And then I want to talk to you about yeah, how the I new Dan, because there'll be a whole new, new Dan, Dan interview. Oh, for sure. Uh, there'll be like a very like distressed, distraught, like constantly sweating. Like be like, oh, like Not by clumsily you. wrapping a diaper. Like you're at least yeah. hopefully be sleeping by a year hopefully getting yeah sleep. for sure i don't oh, want to yeah. six weeks in <laughs> you won't have time you'll be like i can't do this right now <sighs> well it's funny because like leading up to the pandemic like i had this plan like so i was gonna do i toured my one-man show game of crones around uh to like these different fringe like theater festivals uh in canada yeah. and that but i hadn't performed in toronto so it was gonna. It was supposed to perform in Toronto in April, and then I was gonna like tour it around to like little small towns or whatever for like a weekend here, a weekend there, and just try and do what like, and then work during the day as much as possible to try and like save up as much money for the kid, and like we had other plans, and then like I, like at first I was like, all right, gonna have to cancel the April shows, all right, gonna have to cancel that summer tour, all right, <laughs> like all these things, and then like going That's on nice. like unemployment uh and so now my wife's been working full-time from home but she's been the like pregnant breadwinner and then i'm just playing house husband cooking and cleaning and just doing whatever well, i can I around the house doing a good job what else do you have to do it's true yeah it's not yeah. a bad time to have a baby i mean i mean the pandemic sucks but i'm just saying as far as like you get to be home with the baby that's amazing it's uh yeah i wouldn't i was talking the other day how i wouldn't mind having some kids around because kids are so time consuming man you're not gonna be bored <laughs> you're not gonna be For bored. Sure. you're gonna be tired or busy but you will not be For bored sure. once that baby's here um yeah. <laughs> because like just the process of like when they're older, especially, and I had four. So like the process of feeding them three times a day and then cleaning up from feeding them three times a day takes hours. That's like six hours of your 24 right there. It, just bathing, yeah. just keeping them clean and fed, just clean and yeah. fed is like six hours. Right. And then you, you know, once they get older, you have to like love them and talk to them and, you know, play <laughs> with them. And, uh, yeah. So kids are very time consuming. And a couple yeah. of kids around here would really, would really uh, take up a lot of my day. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, even just preparing for the kids, like getting things ready, has been time consuming. I like for me, I've been. I was thinking, I was like, man, like, because usually when I'm at work, I'm working about ten hours a day, and it might be half an hour, forty-five minute drive to and from work, yeah. and then doing shows that night. I was like. I don't know how I would have been able to prepare for this kid if there wasn't a pandemic. You would have had to stop doing so much comedy. That's true. I would have had to stop doing comedy uh, or definitely cut down. Cut down. Um, 
and then I would have, uh, I guess, yeah, like just like the weekends would have just been all like 24 seven, like doing, like driving around, picking stuff up, that sort of thing. Yeah. But now because like my wife will be working from home and so then like we'll have something to go and get curbside pickup or whatever, uh, or there'll be, you know, like stuff to prepare. I've become great at cooking. So I've like been able to cook like big batches of stuff and we've got like all our freezer full like of meal like, prep. yeah, meal prep and so on. And you no. have a brother? You do have a brother. He's married. I do have a brother. He's so, not like well, yeah, so. yeah. Sorry. Um, I need to find someone to cook and clean for me. <laughs> My third ex husband was supposed to be a stay at home husband, right? Um, well, he was mm. supposed to go to school. He wanted to be a barber. That never worked out. Um, he didn't really have the motivation to do it. He needed to get his GED. There was a whole thing. But anyway, uh, so for like the first six months, he was pretty good at it. But he was like, all he had to do was take care of me. And him and like yeah. our dog, there he did. My kids were teenagers. He didn't have to clean up after them. They cleaned up after themselves for the most part. But if they didn't, he didn't have to clean it up. Um, so basically, the biggest thing for me was laundry and dinner. Like yeah. as a as a working single mom, those are the two things that have always been the hardest for me to do is keep up on my laundry and cook a good nutritious meal that's not like hamburger helper or something, you know. So that was really his main things and like vacuum the house and, and potty train the dog because we got a puppy. So for like the first six months, uh, we didn't have a dog yet, but he was really good at it. And then, um, yeah, I just got to a point where he was just smoking weed and playing video games all day. And I hated my job and I came home. I didn't have any clean underwear. No clean underwear. I have a lot of underwear. You have to not do my laundry for like two weeks for yeah. me to not have clean underwear. I had a lot of clothes at the time, so I could go two weeks without, I just was busy. I was doing comedy. I was working full time at a job I hated. I just didn't notice that laundry had piled up to say something sooner. And I was like, I have no underwear to wear to work tomorrow. Like what the hell? And so we got in this huge fight, but yeah, it was, and then it was a problem for the rest of the time we were together. Like he just, what are you doing all fucking day? Like, yeah. It, it really all I was asking him to do takes maybe an hour a day. He was sleeping yeah. till whenever the fuck he felt like getting up, and then he was smoking a bunch of weed and playing video games. Should never oh, wow. bought him that fucking Xbox. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> bought him a fucking Xbox in my house. I suddenly I didn't have clean fucking underwear anymore. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one thing is I we don't have uh, video games really. Like other than like I've got a couple phone games or whatever but like we don't have video games in our house, but we did get like a new TV that's got now like Amazon Prime, Disney Plus and uh, Netflix on it. So it's got like all the different streaming things. Yeah. And we're going through it. I'm like, oh man, there's going to be like so much TV I'm going to want to watch and like, which I guess I'll have to do while like, uh, now like changing diapers or whatever. It'll be on maybe. Yeah. But you want well, me yeah, well, we because we have Disney Plus, I'll be like, eh, it might just mostly be like Simpsons on in the background. Well, Let's go through all the old Simpsons seasons. Here's the thing about babies that my mom told me that was very helpful. Like a lot of people, when they have a baby and they're sleeping, they're like, everyone be quiet. The baby's mm. asleep. But if you do that, then you have to do that for the rest of the time. That you have children because they'll wake up. So you just want to like have some noise in the background. You don't want, you want the baby to get used to sleeping with noise. 
Yeah, for sure. Because my, my brother's done, like, they've done the opposite. Like, they've, they'll be, like, really quiet. And it's like everything's on eggshells when the baby's asleep. Uh, and it's really tough. Whereas... Uh, it continues into their toddler years, too, to where they're taking a nap. I mean, yeah, to where they're taking yeah. a nap and you have to, the whole house has to be quiet. You can't have anyone knock on the door or they're going to wake up. Yeah. So now, like, we definitely, we're more... And we have friends who are like that too, who like, if I, like, if they're like, if you come over, knock on the door, it's fine. The baby's going to have to get used to like that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. They're going to have to get used to it. But some people don't, they just, depends on how, I mean, I can see if like, sometimes kids are really hard to get to sleep. Yeah. So you're like, I'm not going through that ever. So just be quiet. But, um, yeah. Babies are exciting. I like babies. I, I I don't want any grandchildren yet, but I I liked I wanted my kids. I mean, I had four. I wanted children. I always wanted a lot of children. Um, mm -hmm. I originally I I wanted six. It fit right in with the Orthodox Jewish communities up here. Or Catholics, Mormons. Or, it's a real yeah, shame. Sure. I'm, a, I'm an atheist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you're, it's, you're a real like anomaly of an atheist. Because usually like people who are atheists, it's like one or two kids. Well, I wasn't uh, atheist when I was making decisions about having children. But it wasn't like uber religious. It, religion yeah. can play a factor into my wanting to have a lot of kids, though. It, it, yeah. it, I happen yeah. to be religious and want a lot of kids. So I don't know if I was raised atheist, if I would have felt that way. But I mean, I'm one of four. My mom's one of five. My dad's one of four. Um, it's normal in my family to have four children. So I wanted to have six, which is more than anyone's ever had. Um, <laughs> maybe that's why. I, the record. I just loved, I just loved babies. I, even when I was a baby, like a toddler, if there was a littler baby around me, it was my baby. And I tried to Man. be its mom. And I had a lot of stuffed animals and dolls and I would rotate them on my bed. You know, when I was like six, seven, I would rotate them on my bed. Like, so they all got equal time on my bed, um, equal attention from me. There's all these things that I just naturally did that kind of prepared me to be the mom of multiple, like a lot of kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, but my kidneys couldn't do it. My kidneys can't. And really, by the fourth one, yeah. I was I was so happy to be done. Honestly, uh, there's no yeah. one else that pumped out two more. I was, I got my tubes tied with the last one, and I was in. They were willing me back there, and I was all drugged up, you know. And yeah. I was like, "No more babies! Thank you, thank you, <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you so much. No more babies!" I was just so happy to never be pregnant again or give birth. I should. Yeah. I could have adopted a couple more. But I didn't want to be pregnant and give birth anymore. Fuck oh, fair that. Enough. I, I mean, I like having watched my wife being pregnant for the last nine months, and especially since like most of that pregnancy, like at least the last four, four and a half of those months, has been just like us, like in isolation together. So I've really gotten to witness like how, yeah, like just like everything that she went through it, and like no I was looking through like all the symptoms she has that are like all the symptoms I've had um, like 23 years of inflammatory bowel disease, but like all at once. And then like also the bloating and everything like that. And a and human was, being moving yeah. around inside of you. For uh, sure. It, pushing bladder and. Yeah. It's like a sci-fi film where I'll see like all of a sudden like her belly, like this like 
like foot go they should be like hey by the way i was thinking that oof and then like all of a sudden i see like the like like a foot kick out to the yes. side like yes like little, it's crazy yeah i've seen i've seen five little fingers pushing out of my belly and i'm just yeah. like stop it it's like the frighteners i don't know if you yeah. ever saw that film but they yeah, were just yeah they're like yeah it's, yeah. it's and i did it four times and never once did i get used to it i was always like this is so fucking weird man there's a human inside me like, yeah what? for sure and like a friend of like a friend of mine like his wife's pregnant and apparently she's had no problems no nausea nothing like that no morning sickness um and i was like well i'm very happy for you but just don't tell my wife like yeah. I definitely like that first trimester, I think was really uh, rough on her where like I'd never seen her. I was like, this pregnancy seems like a serious illness. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, because your body is, your body wants to fight it. Yeah. You, you're, it, it's your body, it's the weird thing. Cause you, it's the same with like semen. The, 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 the female body, like, we're like invaders, you know? And yeah. so, um, yeah, so part of your body is trying, it wants to fight off the, the, the impending invader inside of you. And part of your body is trying to make it grow. So it's really a battle against your own body and your hormones. But each yeah. pregnancy is completely different. Like I got like, yeah, with four times, like, so just because she's super sick this time doesn't mean if you choose to have another kid that she'll be super sick next time. I mean, she could be, she could be worse. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> no. true. You never could be worse, could be better. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. But I'm pretty sure after the second child, like, the day out, like, our plan is to have two. And so, yeah. like, the day after the second child is born, my wife's going to immediately, like, book me an appointment for a vasectomy. And I'll be like, look, I had like 18 months of pregnancy. The least you could do is, uh, yeah, like, like get your tubes tied or whatever. Yeah. So that's like our, that's our deal. Well, my, my, I have my girls and my boys have a different dad. So I was married to my boys' dad, you know, so when I had the fourth one, I knew that I never wanted to have no, any more children, no matter what. But right. there, he only had two and, and we weren't very old. You know, he was like 20 seven maybe 27 yeah. somewhere in there um so you know we were married but people die and shit happens so he's like yeah mm -hmm. i don't know if, if something happened to you and i remarried i would want to have more children and i was For like sure. oh, That's fair. yeah i know i'm done so i'm getting my tooth tied because i never yeah. have any more babies come out of me for sure um so i got my tubes tied. i actually had the papers to sign i had the papers i signed the papers to tie my tubes with all three like the second the third day, and the fourth one and took them back the other two times um oh, right. oh. because my second one i had two girls and i knew i wasn't going to work out with their dad i was only 21 i i didn't want to i i wanted a son i didn't want to take away the option to have children i wasn't you know with somebody in the future and then my third one um i really wanted to have another boy i thought that i mean my my ex-husband's family had his dad has done their lineage back to like forever and wilson mm -hmm. men just don't have girls so i was as guaranteed mm -hmm. to have a boy as i could be and i wanted two girls two boys i wanted my i also like my girls were gone half the time and so yeah. my younger my my son would have been like kind of an only child half the time and so i wanted him to have a sibling that was always there that you know so we had a fourth one 
Okay. Um, it sounds yeah. like you're almost you were creating your own like little mini Brady Bunch. Yeah. I, I mean, really? it looks like I didn't put any thought into it, but I did. The fourth yeah. one's the only one I planned that I straight up was like, let's get pregnant. Yeah. Um, the third well, one, we didn't try to stop it at all. Yeah. But Well, one thing I realized too is like, I had no idea that like, because I thought like, as long as the woman's not on her period, then she can get pregnant. And then I didn't realize like, when we started, I was like, oh, wait, there's this like ovulation cycle that we have to look after and like all these, like all of these sorts of things. And there you are people who got pregnant like, on purpose? We got pregnant on purpose. Yeah. Uh, it was very much like three weeks into us dating, my wife <clears throat> had a conversation with me. She's like, look, you know, like I've been with guys who then like after a long time of dating decide they don't want to have kids and I want to have kids. So then she's like, I know this is early, but like, what are your plans for life? And so like, we went, like had this long, like, like phone conversation yeah. that was like three hours. And then when she was like, all right, we're on the same page, we can go back to having fun, but just know. And so then within a, a one year anniversary engaged, six months later, marriage. Uh, and then six months after that, pregnant. Like, uh, so it was very like, like, you know, like we have the plan, try and go quickly. And I also like, at first, because I was like, oh, but I want my career to be a bit further and that sort of thing. And then a friend of mine told me, he's like, we got pregnant and like me having a child, he's an actor. And uh, he's like, me having a child hasn't gotten in the way of me, like getting more or less gigs, you know, it's just man. like another thing. You have to, you. Well, it's another thing they plan around, but they also lucked out that like his father-in-law is retired and does a lot of babysitting for them. Yeah. So like she like they both work full time, but they just like planned it out. Well, the process um, of being pregnant and giving birth and recovering from all of that, um, that would slow down a woman's career. Just you know what I mean? Like you couldn't yeah, for sure. get comedy as hard as you want to if you're big and pregnant. You have a newborn at home. You you're if you, especially if you're nursing, you know you you can't. You're tied to that baby. I mean, you have to have. I've seen women that are in comedy that have children in it during and and it didn't have a huge impact on the career only because they had such an amazing partner that they were having yeah. this baby with. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it really depends on the partner in both cases, really, but especially for the woman, like it really depends on your partner, like who who you're having that child with is very important. Um, but yeah. you know, your, your wife is a smart woman. Like I, I'm 42 and I, I just now started having those conversations. It doesn't matter because I don't want to have kids anymore or anything, but just early on in, in, in dating, having conversations to see if we are going, if we're on the same page in what we want in life before I get attached to you, why get yeah. attached to you if we don't want the same thing? And then the problem is, is that I'm running into most men are like, thinking that by having that conversation that I'm wanting them to commit now and be my boyfriend. I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, yeah. what is your goal here? Are you just fucking around and having fun with me? Like, what's your, what is your goal in dating? Well, I just like to meet people. And if it happens, it happens. And I'm like, well, yeah. no, which is a lot of guys. Like, I mean, I was definitely like that. Well, cause for, for me, it, yeah. it happens with people I shouldn't be with. So if I just let it happen, I'm going to fall in love with somebody I shouldn't be in love with that I'm not compatible with. 
Um, yeah. So I want to find out early on, should I let myself fall in love with you or not? I mean, and if you're, if you're not interested in the same, if you don't have the same life goals as I do, uh, what's the point in continuing? I finally listened to my dad's advice. My dad's only dating advice he ever gave me was that if they're not worth marrying, they're not worth dating. Why waste your time? And I, mean, I have no desire to ever be married again, but I I, I do want to find a partner to, to be with. Yeah. So, uh, till I'm dead, hopefully, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah. So like, I need to know these things. Cause like, what are you, it doesn't mean I want to marry you calm down. You know, I don't even know you yet, but I want to yeah. know if we're compatible, if we're working out, what do you want? And, um, yeah. if you're just looking to have fun, I want to know, just fucking tell me. Yeah, for sure. And, and so what that's you want from me may be different. Maybe you do want a relationship, but you already know that I'm not the one you want a relationship with. Fucking tell me that. Just tell me. Just, you know, be honest. But most of these people don't even analyze this part. They don't even think about it. They don't even analyze it. Even men in their 50s who've been divorced yeah. have no fucking clue what they want. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because, like, I know, like, well, I like some, like, of her friends who are dating guys who are in their 50s or whatever, or, like, late 40s, and have that same attitude uh or yeah it's i mean it's interesting i think i lucked out in that she was like a very calm but like i don't know this very like prudent all business jewish woman like who was very you know making sure she knew what she wanted apparently uh because it was her uh comedian uh cousin who introduced us who has this like vulgar like musical career that's really funny um, but very different from like, you know, uh, anything, anything of like the guy she dated. And so that's who like sort of introduced us. And she was like, all right, like, I'm going to go on this comedian date, told all her friends that like, I'm going to come back with a really funny story. It's going to be great. And then I was like, oh, I'm dating someone who's like, not like, you know, who's got their life together. I'm going to have to wear a shirt with buttons and like, you know, like sort of like sort of smarten up a bit. Uh, and then it kind of like just I guess I clicked that way yeah. uh, and we yeah so we lucked out in that sense and it also this will sound weird but like one of the things that really helped is that like me having Crohn's disease so I told her about like the worst most embarrassing thing like uh, I'd had like this anal abscess where I needed like a butt surgery for it and not like a sexy fun kind or whatever uh, and so I, I told her about that on our second date. And then we made out like 10 minutes later for the first time. Uh, so that helped. And she also had had like a back injury. So it was like, we were both kind of disabled in a way and like took care of each other early on. And so I think that also really helped the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Most men that I've dated would not appreciate the fact that they wouldn't, they would tell me about their butt abscess on day two, but not appreciate the fact that it didn't bother me and I could still make out with them. They wouldn't care. They wouldn't put that much thought into anything. They don't put that much thought into anything. They're just like, oh, vagina. Boobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, that was definitely on my mind too, for sure. Like, don't well, get no, me wrong. Well, no, it has, like, that does yeah. have to be on your mind. Or this, uh, there wouldn't be a baby, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but that definitely has to be there, but there has to be more than that there, or what's, mm. you know? And uh, I don't know, or I haven't really, our, 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 it's like the, our Jewish guys, like, 
I mean, I'm sure they're all different too, but like there's, right. there are like cultural things that are um, in certain cultures that make men more respectable or less respectable to women. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, it's different too, I think, because a lot of uh, guys you might have dated or uh, like it's, there's, I think, especially when you're in any religious community, and yeah. like I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't personally, I wasn't necessarily looking specifically for a Jewish wife. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, I have like an Irish uh, Protestant grandma. So I'm not like fully, fully Jewish. Yeah. But like she was like Rosen, that's Jewish enough. And like, you know, he knows, like, you know, he knows the major holidays and Baruchas and all that. So she wanted a Jewish man. She wanted a Jewish man. And like with Jewish tradition, our kids would be considered Jewish anyways, because she's yeah. Jewish, because it goes to the mom. Uh, yeah. But uh, a lot of like on like the Jewish dating groups, I think the way she told me, it was like a lot of the guys, like they're very traditional, which can be good, you know, like paying for the first date, that sort of thing, which stuff that I don't mind. But it was also like when you'd hear people for like sort of, uh, I feel like with like the wedding planning or stuff like that, where uh, it was like, just like the men would just like back off and say, like, oh, like the woman does the wedding plan. The woman does all the cooking. The woman does this or whatever. Mm. Because I'm much more, even before quarantine, I was much more the cook. Cause she would be like, you know, making like had like two or three meals she would make where I'm like, Ooh, let's try this new thing. Or like, I just looked up this recipe and yeah. let's try like, you know, this out or do, uh, and also partly because of my like health condition, I'm like, I can't just have pizza every night. So I need mm -hmm. to try something, you know, like that's different and interesting, but still healthy. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think that helped a bit because I wasn't too traditional, but had enough of the traditions. Well, I just, I just yeah. started talking to a man who described, he's, he's, he's fully Jewish, but he doesn't really sell, he's not really religious. You know, yeah. it's just his heritage. So he's he said he's Jew dash ish. Um, yeah, that was just so, that, I, that was my upbringing is Jew ish. Yeah. Jew ish, and yeah. so yeah, I think that. But he still, from what I can tell so far, we I mean we just started talking. It's he still has the good qualities. Yeah. they're just they're super funny. Um, <laughs> I think that's this as a culture Jews centuries of oppression have helped us develop a sense of humor yeah people <laughs> of color like uh, black people are just naturally funny you know what i mean yeah. it's like they just are um yeah so it's just but he doesn't want to be a comedian he and he's mm -hmm. a baker so he can bake all sorts of yummy treats oh nice yeah. sweet especially after you've done a dab then that must be great yeah, but he, yeah. I mean, I meet, I meet dudes online. I don't meet them in person. Uh, the only people I'm around in person are comedians and I'm not dating them. So, no. um, I mean, and the comedians, friends, the, the, the few comedians I know who bring friends around that aren't comedians, um, no. Uh, so they're all, yeah. I don't know, they're just all a fucking mess and they're all alcoholics yeah. and they're all, you know yeah. comedians so um <laughs> For sure. yeah so I, I i need someone who's funny who, who enjoys comedy who is a funny person who who finds me funny is important very nice. important um but i don't want them to be or have any desire to be a comedian <laughs> yeah 
that's one yeah for sure i think that works out well because one thing is like friends of my wife's friends will be like oh when are you gonna go on stage with dan and she's like over my cold dead body like it'll be a cold day in hell before you get me on stage yeah like i can, i'm the goof clown and she is funny as well like she can like those things where she's like i feel like i always say she she's made me more like organized and yeah like sort of i guess like more on top of things with that my you life open and, to being you were open i don't want to say changed or taught i don't know the right word for it but you were open yeah. to well like learning like, yeah exactly um because you saw you know you were open to evolving in a way that was going to make your relationship more compatible yeah and in turn i've made her more compatible with me by making her really opening her up to her very silly goofy side yeah people need so that I, yeah. the thing is, I have both those people in me. I'm a, I just, I'm starting a job Monday as a payroll person. Oh, nice. Um, so, I mean, I have an accounting degree. I'm, I'm, I'm really good at the administrative things of life, you know, like all the paying the bills and applying for things and applying for apartments or doing mortgage mm. paperwork, all those administrative things in life. I'm really, really good at. Um, yeah. But like, you know, I just, I need, I need, my problem is, is that I really want to find like a man that can fix things and work on my mm -hmm. car and do yeah. all these things that I can't do, but he can't be a fucking pig. And that's a hard, yeah. it's hard to find like a man who isn't an asshole, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to get that right balance. Cause that's the one thing, like I, my dad was pretty good at like, fixing things and knowing things. And he's a pretty good level-headed person. I think though a lot of like, I mean like in Jewish guys in general, but also like certainly with me, like they're like, they'll be like, you'll have the like really nice Jewish guys who also might be really good at like accounting or like, you know, whatever, yeah. like sort of organization. Jewish guys. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But then, yeah, like how to fix a car or whatever, then it, like not so good with that but then usually what happens with jewish people i've found is like we always like we know a guy is and so then like if you have someone who like if someone one of your jewish friends had someone help you out with like a mechanic who was really good had a great rate then they'll be like oh i know this guy tell them like you know moisha sent him or whatever yeah. and then that's how like yeah they always jewish know a guy people. yeah and then and then that's how, like, because everyone will say, like, oh, yeah, my cousin's uncle's, like, you know, like, best friend's business partner, like, worked with this guy. He's great. Yeah. Uh, just, like, mention this name. And, like, that's often how, like, it's, it's like, how, like, why, I think, like, how, like, Jewish communities survive off of that. No, for sure. <laughs> and this is, it's, it's really something that we lack in Caucasian culture. Um, the sense of community that like um, taking care of your elders like because if you go into a nursing home it's a bunch of old white people being warehoused there for the most part that don't yeah. most of them do not need to be there they could easily be living with their their children or somebody um, they don't need their diapers they they can still use the restroom they can still you know I mean they're not dangerous 
So like 25% of them probably do need to be in there because they need round the clock care for something or they have Alzheimer's and they get violent. Um, just mm. Alzheimer's is a whole different beast. Even if they're not violent, it's really hard to have your mom in your house all the time and she doesn't know who the fuck you are. And it, That's yeah. a whole different thing. But yeah, and so like most of them just were stuck there the second that they could be. It's like... Yeah. Whereas with other cultures, like grandma stays with the eldest or whatever. Like you don't like uh, yeah. there's me in here, Lewis, who lives with his mom and people give him shit about it. But I'm like, that's, he's not married. He doesn't yeah. have children. You live with your parents until that happens. Yeah. And then you take care of your parents. A lot of cultures do that. And even like, like Eastern European cultures, I've noticed like they'll do that. And like a lot of other people, um, Not in America. Yeah. We get uh, warehouse arguments. But, it, but it's also, I mean, that was a big problem in Ontario with like with COVID nineteen. Is they did a study during it and found out that like like all these nursing homes, like it was like terrible conditions. Uh, everyone was crammed together. They weren't being taken care of, and it's why like as soon as one of them got sick, it spread to their entire floor. Uh, and they didn't have the like you know healthy enough conditions because even before that it was like even if someone got like a cold or like a fever it would spread and so yeah uh, yeah they I just didn't. He's like a physical therapist that worked with like nursing home a nursing home and stuff and she quit because they weren't doing any extra safety protocols and she couldn't handle it she was like this is I I don't want to work with people I mean we're dealing with the who are most successful with shit and and so yeah yeah, yeah. and so, yeah. so it's one of the things i think yeah like it's i guess that people have learned during this whole uh pandemic is that like oh we gotta take care of our older people i'm lucky oh. that my my grandma who's the last living relative she's 97 and a half and uh she's living with my aunt but she does have care workers come in uh, and it was one of the things where, like, I mean, she's had, I think, at least seven or eight, maybe more, like, of these little, like, mini comas over the past 15 years, where she, like, goes to sleep for a few days, we get her affairs in order, and then she wakes up and, like, gradually gets better, like, refreshed for a few more years, uh, and just, like, does it over again. And, like, last fall, like, we were, like, uh, my wife and I were going to visit her in the hospital, and or can't remember, yeah, it was in the hospital. My mom oh, was 50? like, she's 97 and a half. Oh, yeah. And my mom was like, well, if you get a chance to this might like she might not even make it to the like those few days. And then by the time, like a few days later, when we visited, she'd like made a full recovery and was, you know, like up and at him. And so like after that, we decided that she should just live like she was living with my aunt. And then they just decide that if she gets sick again, she just stays at home and then just brings the care to her yeah. home instead. Well, going um, to the hospital for old people is a dangerous thing. Anytime my grand, my grandma's yeah. 90, well, 89. She's 39. Yeah. And so she like, like this winter she fell and she mm -hmm. hit her head and mm -hmm. it was pretty, it was a pretty bad laceration. And so she was in the hospital for maybe a week because she couldn't stop being dizzy. And she's yeah. still a little dizzy. She's still, I don't think she's ever, I think 
she's not going to ever fully recover from that. And so, um, but I was like, they need to get her home. She, I mean, if she's just dizzy, that's it. They need, she lives in an old folks like apartment. So she has her own apartment, but they yeah. had, I was like, we need to get her home and we need to, um, you know, get her in home care. She has to get out of the hospital. Like if that's all the reason they have in their, if they're not releasing her just until she's not dizzy, she needs to get out of the hospital. This is before COVID, you know, it was this winter. I was like, she's going to get an infection in there. I've seen, I did in-home care for old, like I was the person that came in, like non-medical care. And yeah, yeah, going to the hospital can be a death sentence because they're going to catch something. Um, Yeah. yeah, So it's, it's, uh, I was like, you got to get grandma out of the hospital. We need to figure out how to, you know, take care of her at home because this is not going to work. And then, you know, I was like, I wanted to get her like the, you know, help, I've fallen and I can't get up thing, you know, the button thing. Oh, yeah, the, like, buzz, those buzzers, yeah. Because here's what happened. It's kind of funny, but it's sad at the same time, because my my aunt's sister also lives in the same apartment complex. So yeah. my grandma fell. I don't know if she was able to get a hold of my aunt or my aunt just noticed. I don't remember how my aunt got involved coming out there. But my aunt goes out there to help her. My aunt is like, I don't know, maybe four years younger than her. She's also an old lady. And uh, my aunt falls and breaks her ankle. Uh-huh. So you got my aunt laying out there in the cold, and you got my grandma laying out there in the cold with like a head injury and a little yeah. front ankle. So one by one, these yeah. relatives are going out to help each other, and they're all yeah. falling. Yes. They're all dropping like flies. Yeah. I'm always one so sad when I laughed about that. It was too soon. <laughs> it was too soon because I immediately, like when it happened, I was laughing about it. I was like, what? I wish I had a, that would have been hilarious to see on a camera. And she was like, no, it's not funny. It I, well, I, my mom's a doctor and she's got like a really dark sense of humor, which she said is like necessary to be a good doctor. Yeah. And so like I grew up with like, jokes about yeah like about my illness jokes about any other illnesses stuff like that so my mom always uh yeah like would have like sort of have these things where she'd be laughing at you know like be making jokes about some narcoleptic patient she had been treating or whatever or something my mom's like currently terrified because she's 70 if my grandmother dies and it's not her mother her mother died in 2000 this is my father's mother but yeah. if she dies my mother is the oldest Riker. Oh, right. And so uh, I've never seen my mom. My mom's never been one that's been an anxious person or um, a depressed person. She's never had any sort of like mental illness issues, really. Um, but like this COVID shit is, is making her... Like she's anxious when she goes, she was talking about going to the grocery store and she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm so anxious, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mom, that's how I am going to the grocery store just every fucking day. That's yeah. just my life. Um, and so it's even more now. And she was like, I can't imagine living with this level of anxiety your whole life. I was like, yeah, I've been living with this level of anxiety uh, at least since mm-hmm. I was 25, uh, 24. Yeah. I almost died having my last kid and that's when, so like he's 18 so i've been living with this level of anxiety uh you know for 20 years almost and so yeah uh you're welcome uh here welcome welcome to the club mom but it has really helped her understand my mental illness and my depression and we've been able to have um my mom is not one that wants to talk about 
my whole life. She doesn't want to talk about anything negative or bad. She will change the subject to something positive or will find a positive way to spin it. Um, but now between Trump and politics and COVID, <laughs> my mom is just starting to get cynical finally yeah. and get a dark side that she did not have before. And so, but it's helping her understand me a lot better. And we've had some conversations, uh, you know, about my mental illness and stuff. And it, it just, I feel like she finally, she finally understands. Cause like the last time before I moved here, I was really stressed out. I, my marriage was shit. My, I had teenage kids that were driving me crazy. I hated my mm -hmm. fucking job. I just wanted to do comedy. Um, yeah. and I was, I was getting an ulcer. I, I couldn't keep anything down. I was throwing up all the time, mm -hmm. um, because I was just so stressed out. And my doctor's like, yeah. you have to figure out a way to have less stress. And so, uh, you know, after that doctor's appointment, I went to my mom's and I was crying and I was just like, mom, I don't know what to do. I'm so fucking stressed out. And I feel like I have no options. I can't quit my job. I can't get divorced. I can't get rid of my kids. What am I supposed to do? I can't do anything to alleviate the stress in my life. And, you know, and she leans over and she grabbed my hand. She's like, I just wish you, I wish you still believed in Jesus. And I was just like, oh, mother. I said, Jesus yeah. Christ, mom, that's not what I need. <laughs> no, I tried Jesus. That didn't help. No, that's yeah. not, that's not what I need. And so now she, she, she just gets it a little more. Like she's got Jesus and she's still fucking stressed out. So, yeah. um, yeah, I need to call her. Her sister died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My mom's not, my mom's, my mom is like staring down the barrel, you know, Yeah. of death is what she feels like. Death's coming she, for her. Yeah. Does she also live in Denver or is she back in Wichita? She's in Wichita. She won't even visit okay. Denver. She can't take the traffic. Okay. Yeah. She's convinced <laughs> that's how she's going to die is a traffic accident. So. Nice. Yeah. This is. This, Sorry, go on. Oh, no. I was just going to say there's a really great uh, Edmonton comedian uh, called Dion Arnold. And he has this one man show called How I Killed My Nan. And it's all about like his grandma, but like, uh, and how like, like she eventually gets on like a assisted death is basically what it is at the age of 95 or 96. Yeah. But talking about like all the things she went through and how she had, and like, she was very religious, but like when she was, you know, like first born, like life expectancy was like 66 or something. So she figured like 65, 70 tops, then I'm out and up to heaven. And then she just kept living like, decades after that uh and even got into like a really horrible car accident at the age of like 94 or 95 and mm -hmm. still survived uh and she's like what like even that didn't take me kind of thing yeah uh <laughs> um it's a it's like an amazing show it's like one of the best like one man one person comedy shows i've ever yeah. seen uh but it's just one of those things where he's talking about yeah like sort of uh being like you know like being worried or prepared for like yeah like all the different things that they like, could happen to you or whatever i don't think my mom's my mom is my mom has always been a very like worried person but i wouldn't say it was anxiety she's always just been yeah. really prepared uh for the worst you know like yeah just having things in the house in case there's a the power's out or making sure you have mm. a blanket in the car in the winter in case your car breaks down or just real practical things like that. Yeah. Um, That's like my mom too. But she didn't just worry about 
she didn't just have stress going to the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like, she, yeah. She, yeah. Yeah, like, I have that. this level of anxiety that something bad's going to happen at all times. And I just don't like the people. I'm really enjoying the socially distance thing. I hope that sticks around. Um, mm. I hate the mask that I wear one now. Fucking get over it. Uh, yeah. If I can get over it, you can get over it. Shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, at first the masks were giving me like straight on panic attacks to where I couldn't see uh, like tunnel vision. And then... Mm. Um, I have to have one to get weed. You know, um, no, I went in yeah. <laughs> to the weed store and I did not have one. And they gave me one. It was one of those like ones you use for like painting the kind of. Oh, like, nice. Yeah. The cup black. ones. And that one, I was like, I had been wanting to try those, but I couldn't find any. And I was mm. like, oh yeah, I'll take one of those. And then I could stand that. And then now like the, like the thin blue ones that are just disposable, you can yeah. really breathe through those pretty well. So, yeah. um, I just don't like anything over my nose and mouth because of shit that happened to me. And so I just, you know, I was like, it would, it would spin. I couldn't wear a mask. It would make me fucking panic. And yeah. even like waiting in the weed store with that thing, I was struggling. I was struggling, but I was there. I had it on my face. What was I going to do? I just had to push through. And then eventually yeah. I adjusted to being able to have a mask on my face. But at first I was like, I can't wear a mask. I, I'm just not going to go anywhere because I just, I just yeah. didn't go anywhere. Like the whole month of April, I just didn't go anywhere. I, I had food yeah. delivered and I just didn't go anywhere. But at least also you weren't like, oh, I can't wear a mask. So now I'm going to go over to the beach and cough on everybody. Like you no. were like still like being sensible, right? Yeah. If like, I did, if I did yeah. leave the house, I wouldn't leave again for two weeks. That was what I would do. I would like, I would leave because mm. you can't, at the time it was hard to get groceries delivered. It was hard to get yeah. all the stuff you needed delivered. So I would, I went to the store made sure I got enough for two weeks. I had what I had for the two weeks and then in, I waited two weeks and then I went to the store again. So I wasn't wearing a mask, but I was, I was, uh, trying to not leave the house. So if I did have it, if I didn't have any symptoms for two weeks from the last time I left the house, I assumed I was okay. And so yeah. that's what I did, but then I had to wear a mask, to go into my weed store yeah. and wore a mask. And then I adjusted. It was that or not get weed. So yeah. I fucking in, figured it out. In Colorado, because like in Canada now it's legal throughout, but like it's basically it's only legal if you get it from like a like government online site or whatever where the weed's not as good as like the stuff that you'd get from, you know, local dispensary or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> but in uh Colorado in, in Denver, is it just like it's there at like there's just like dispensaries there's a like private owned every corner yeah and they're all yeah. yeah like they're all are they privately owned or is it like government owned they're or owned, yeah yeah it's not federally and... legal they they have a sign when it goes in there like this is not federally legal do not cross state lines with it blah 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 blah, blah. Uh -huh. um because like kansas whenever colorado legalized first of all nebraska sued colorado uh because of their increase because people were going over to Colorado to get weed to come back with it and they were had an increase because they were fucking pulling people over coming back from Colorado but oh, um, right. yeah. so yeah they had a so Kansas when Colorado got legalized Kansas it used to be it was like a quarter I think of marijuana no it was an ounce of marijuana being brought over state lines Okay. as a felony 
And yeah. they lowered that to a quarter ounce. Oh, wow. So yeah. it's almost nothing. It's a felony. If I get caught carrying a quarter ounce, which is, I have way more than that every fucking time I go visit Kansas. Yeah. Every time I go visit Kansas, I'm risking getting a felony for drugs. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. If I have my own personal use stuff, I don't, I'm not bringing back hordes of it to sell. It's just mine. If I go yeah. to Kansas for a month, I need more than a quarter of fucking weed. Yeah. In Canada, they when they made it legal, you can get on any domestic flight through like from province to province. And as long as you had less than an ounce, you're okay. Which is like, I mean, an ounce is a good amount to like take with you on a plane. Yeah. I don't think well, you were allowed to have it in your carry-on. No, and I'm supposed to do dabs yeah. and edibles. So I don't know how they fucking factor that into. I mean, this is a gram. Yeah. This thing is a gram of wax. So do I yeah. get, so yeah, I could definitely get through four grams as a quarter, you know? And so, but it's actually like four grams of wax in the, I don't know how much flour that ends up being, but it's well more than an ounce probably. It's probably, yeah, it's true. It's probably, this is, yeah. The, each one of these is like a quarter of an ounce of actual flour marijuana. So like, is one of these gonna get me a felony? You know, yeah. like, I don't know what the, I don't know how edibles and, I don't know how edibles, because they're just talking about flour. So I don't know how it works with edibles and, and dabs. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter because I always have a lot of whatever it is when I go back to Kansas. And I feel like I always have a felony amount probably on me. Yeah. You know, I at least have four. The last time I went back to Kansas, I had, uh, I had a, um, I had 12 grams of wax because I was bringing it back for somebody that was there, like four of those grams. Um, yeah. Eight of those grams were for two other people. Um, so, but it wasn't like I was bringing them. There's people I know. I didn't make a profit off of it. It was, they just paid me the, what I paid for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but I did traffic drugs across state lines, I guess. Um, so I'm going to go to prison forever because of 12 grams yeah. of wax. It's fucking stupid, but. It's, well, I find it so stupid because like, I understand like drug dealing being illegal. But it, like whatever someone does just to themselves, like why not? Like why not? And like with like you no know, cigarettes and like alcohol, like yeah. do much worse, anyways. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody about this. It's like I think all drugs should be legal. I, I mean, it's not like I want people doing meth or crack or cocaine, but they are anyway, and they're yeah. in, and they're doing it it's cut with all sorts of shit and um you know it's the same thing with weed i mean um there's i've asked i've smoked weed with people that is that is that has been laced with drugs that i didn't know were in it you know and shit like yeah. that but um yeah so i think if it could be if it could be regulated um yeah and uh, I think it, it's the less kids are getting into marijuana now than before in Colorado. There's it's less a, drug use. In Canada, it's actually since legalizing it, the people who like the like first timers or people who are trying it, like are like, you know, the increase was more in uh, people in their fifties and sixties had a bigger increase than people in their twenties. Because yeah. people in their twenties, like, like when it got legal, they were already smoking weed. 
Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to try it for the first time now that it's legal. But it was the people in like the 50s and 60s be like, oh, I haven't done that in like 20, 30 years. I'll give it a try again now that it's legal. I see them in spot stores. Yeah. I would would like to work in a pot store just for those kinds of people that, because I know some like older people that had never smoked weed back in the day. They weren't hippies or whatever and they were always done the right thing and and now they're old and they're like well my my grandson said that this might help my knee pain you know and uh (laughs) and so they go and they try it out and they're like oh i like it and you know they they get edibles and stuff they don't usually jump right into smoking but um yeah yeah, there's there's edibles there's there's drinks there's suppositories there's all sorts of ways there's, yeah, there is like so much they have uh, that you can do. My favorite, I have a friend of mine who, um, this is like my favorite weed story. Uh, and so a buddy of mine who he's like, my like, like growing up in high school and stuff, he was like my like drug aficionado. I didn't do drugs, but he was the guy who like tried everything before anyone else did and was like our friend for it. Uh, for getting access to this stuff. Uh, I tried shrooms with him and had this big spiritual experience. It was great. Uh, and, but like, uh, he was having a New Year's Eve party at his place when he lived with his brother. And I was like, well, I don't drink, but uh, if you could teach me how to make edibles, and I'm a big fan of making chocolate chip banana bread. So he cooked like I this- just made chocolate chip banana nut bread. Oh, nice. We had an open mic in our backyard a couple weeks, like not this Tuesday, but Tuesday before. And I made, it was milk chocolate chips and everyone loved it. But go on. Oh, cool. (laughs) Nice. Well, I, and so like my monthly show that I host at Comedy Bar in Toronto called Opening Act Dan Rosen, in addition to paying the comics for being on it, I would always make in the green room, I would have like a batch of chocolate chip banana bread for comedians to snack on. Now, post COVID, that might not be able to be as easily done but anyways um i yeah so like uh he made it uh and so he like he put weed butter in it and he put like a lot and then i forgot also that he knows like he's got the stuff that's like the most potent weed known to humankind uh and later on we were playing beer pong and i never get to play beer pong because i don't drink beer but i was like oh i'll play but I'll just have a, like a little piece of uh, banana bread instead of having like, you know, like chugging the beer every time, you know, it gets in our glass, my glass. And so then anyhow, like half a load, half a loaf of weed banana bread later by the, yeah, like I had like, God, I must have had like, cause it would have been like $30 worth of like weed butter that yeah. I ate in that one night. And I just like felt like at the end, like I was on the couch and like, Friends of mine were playing like this, like dance, dance revolution type game, and being like, "Oh, Dan, can you give me some snacks in the fridge?" And I'm like, "I can't get off of this couch." Like I was like so, like I like, like no, 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 come on, please. I'm like, I don't think I can move right now. And it felt like my like brain was being squished by a sponge. I had this like weed hangover the next day, where like my mind was still like cloudy. I, I was like, I don't feel safe to drive because I was just like so like. Yeah, I would mind it. And I'm not like someone who necessarily smokes or, uh, you know, gets high regularly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but like, you know, like I'd like to enjoy myself when I can, when I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm a home watching the Simpsons or basketball 
or I'm like hanging out at a friend's place for a long time, then yeah, like we'll have at it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was just like one of those times where I was like, it was like the most high I could ever have imagined myself getting. Like, I, uh, depending on the weed, I can have a severe panic attack if I get too high like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not anymore. Um, Same. Before comedy, I would have panic attacks because I would start thinking about how I'm an insignificant speck on the earth that's an insignificant speck oh, and right. nothing there nothing means anything and and how life is fleeting and I'm gonna die at any moment like I could die like, I, like I'm gonna be 80 tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be 80 and I'm gonna have not done nothing I've done nothing with my life and though right. I would have these panic attacks but now that I've now that I've done comedy and like like the last year and a half really devoted myself to it. Uh, I feel like at least I tried to do something. So I would die. I don't have, I don't panic like that anymore. Cause I don't, yeah. I'm not panicked about my future. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, it's one of those things where like I, like when I first, yeah, like would uh, smoke weed, like I first tried it in university and then like a little bit later, but like it would be, I would have panic attacks about being like, Oh God, like I'm insignificant. And now that's like the comforting thought that I have when I get stoned. Be like, it's okay. I'm insignificant. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's nothing not so big of a deal. Yeah, it's like <laughs> nothing means anything, and I'm like, man, nothing means anything. Nothing yeah, means yeah. If nothing means anything, nothing means it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Yeah. 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 Like just like, oh, I just need to be like, if I'm a good person, then that's great. Like I don't need to like become a big like you know like not having a Netflix special doesn't mean anything. There's like a, yeah, like it was a thing like where like Conan O'Brien was talking to Albert Brooks like in an interview and and uh, Conan was saying like, well, uh, like, you know, you've made these movies that will last after your death. And Albert Brooks mentioned like all these filmmakers who were famous in the like 1920s and 30s. And he's like, have you heard of them? And he's like, uh, no. Yeah, see, like it doesn't matter. Like just, it doesn't mean anything. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, most people don't have... Uh a mark on history that's still known hundreds of years later. Yeah. And I I try to comfort people with that. It doesn't seem to comfort them, but I'm just like, (laughs) don't worry. You mean nothing to anyone. Okay. Theme of the world. You mean nothing. Your little life and whatever happens to you matters not. No one's going to know who the fuck you are in a hundred years. You mean nothing. None of us mean anything. The majority of us. There are a few people, I can't, I'm trying to think of some modern people who will still be talked about like, like not politicians, but like Martin Luther King or Malcolm yeah. X, or I can't think of like who in my generation, like would still, yeah. like I don't, these iconic people that, that did so much for a movement or were. I don't. Yeah. I don't know who those modern people would be for our modern times. Who are we? I mean, like about a hundred years. Even the nature of like William Shakespeare is like constantly <clears throat> like debated. Like people would say, like, is it just this one guy, or did he have friends? And then people were saying, like, well, research shows that maybe like other people actually like helped him with his some of his plays and stuff like that. So even then, like, not everything's known about him. And he's, like, the, the greatest writer in the history of the English language. Yeah, I think uh, that... So. Yeah, he's... Shakespeare's overrated. I fucking... He's one of the... Re- I was going to be an English teacher. Yeah. 
you have to teach that you have to go through this course where you're teaching them Shakespeare and you're making these poor kids read the play <laughs> out. It, it was never meant to just be read like a fucking book. One, two, yeah. they don't want to read it. I don't want to hear them read it. There's better works since then. Yeah. Why are we still teaching Shakespeare? forcing it down the throats of eighth graders. I don't understand. There's better literature. There's better playwrights. There's way better things to expose them to than fucking Shakespeare. I fucking can't stand Shakespeare. <laughs> I don't <laughs> mind watching enough. plays. I'll watch a play or whatever. But, yeah. oh, man, I fucking, I, I really can't stand Shakespeare. I don't understand the fascination with him. But I think, like, like, yeah, and I think just regardless of, like, what people's, like, fascinations are with it, like, whether or not they like him or not, like, even now, like, it's hundreds of years later, and now, like, there are things that, like, people are unsure about him. And so, like, even this guy who's supposed to be the best, yeah, like, if even his memory is now being tainted, people are like, eh, old news, we don't really because care about it. Because history is just what was written down. Yeah. Um, it... I don't know. I watched the 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 Last Kingdom is a show. It's on Netflix, and oh, uh, I don't know if it's a Netflix show or if it's just on Netflix. I don't know. I just yeah. watched it. But like the King guy in there, he he writes down everything. I mean, he has everything written down, but he does not include Uhtred, who is like the the guy that helped him do all this shit. But he's nowhere in yeah. history books. He's not there. Yeah. So it looks like the king just did all this badass shit by himself, and that's not true. And so, yeah, yeah we only know the history from what was recorded. Recorded yeah. history, that's all we know. And now um, we record everything. Everything's recorded. Um, yeah, for sure. It's, it's hard to have It's hard to have these people that are put up on these pedestals like like – you know, Martin Luther King or whatever, because people will immediately tear them down with the reality of their life. And, yeah. You know, it's like, he's a womanizer, you know, or yeah. he cheats on his wife. All these things that at the time, um, the inner circle or Martin Luther King and Malcolm X knew about, but the society as a whole didn't know about. And it yeah. didn't really matter, actually. I mean, for what they were doing, they weren't yeah, like fighting for women's rights to not be cheated on by their husbands. They were fighting for, you know, the rights of black people. So whether yeah. they were a philandering guy that cheated on their wives or not, that's between them and their wives. That has nothing to do with what they're doing. And, um, sure, yeah. but I mean, if you look at Bill Clinton, he, he did a great job as a president overall. Um, but what's he remembered for? Fucking blow job, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Which are things, Kennedy was a fucking huge, like, Give me a break. The brothers shared Monroe. I mean, come on. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you yeah. did. it didn't matter. Like, that was their private life. And I don't think that people have a private life anymore. And mm. so they get judged on their private life in a way that they didn't back in the day. So I think that's making yeah, it harder true. to have these iconic people. That's true, they're, yeah. They're humans. They're not yeah. gods. They're just people, and they're probably going to do some shit in their private life that isn't the best. Yeah. But that doesn't I, mean they're not good at what they're doing. It's true. I have an Aussie uh, comedian friend, Marcus Ryan, who 
yeah, he was joking about how <clears throat> um, his like big comedy career plan is just to let like everyone like he's going to sit back and do nothing and let everyone get canceled and then he'll just rise to the top that way as being the number one comedian just by not doing like not tweeting anything or doing anything wrong or whatever. And he called it the Stephen Bradbury approach. And Stephen Bradbury was this Aussie uh, speed skater who in the finals, he was like way behind in fifth place. And then like on the last turn, the other four skaters all crashed into each other and then he just skated into gold. Yeah, I think I heard about that. <laughs> and so he like, he like posted like the video clip of when it happened. And he's like, yeah, like this is, he's like, here's my career plan right here. Yeah. He's gonna shut up for the next couple of years. And then a week later, everything came out about Chris Delia. Yeah. It's the classic tortoise in the hair, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he's playing the tortoise game. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I guess that's one way to go about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if I, but if I were him, I would, I would be, I would be working right and left to not make things up or anything about anybody by any means, but just expose yeah. more people. For sure. Yeah. I'd be, um, if I were a man, I would become friends with these men and I would record, I would, I would get evidence that they're pieces of shit and I would get them canceled. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I wish I could do that now, not even for my comedy career, but just to get them fucking out of here. Oh, but for sure. I There's can't been, I mean, it's, but it's interesting because like during the pandemic, there's like more and more comes out. Uh, I mean, I don't know what it's like in Denver, but in Toronto, Toronto is like a really big scene in Canada, but yeah. almost where it's too much because like everyone moves to Toronto and then there's way too many comedians. That's Denver. And then you get all these guys who... I think Toronto is uh, like the LA of Canada, right? Like it's more like... I think for comedy-wise, probably, yeah. yeah, in that sense. Um, and also, not like, I mean, for film, like, a lot of stuff gets filmed in Toronto yeah. uh, for our tax credits. So we have a lot of LA productions who come up here. Um, I'm, I may end up there. I don't know. Nice. I'm, I'm serious. People think I'm fucking joking. I would, I would love to go to another country overseas. I'd love to be as far away from America as I could get and still do comedy. So I, I, I was looking into Dublin. But it's just, oh, nice. I, I have kids and I want to be able yeah. to see them and my mother. And I, I, it's just not something I can come back easily from. I can't drive if I need to. You know what I mean? I had to cross an ocean. If I'm yeah. in Canada, I can drive to Kansas. It's going to suck and it'll be a long time, but I can do it. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I seriously don't want to live in this fucking country anymore. Uh, and sure. I know, like, I just, I really don't. But I have to have comedy. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Toronto seems like a great option. <laughs> well, if you if you make it out here, you know, like uh, let me know. Of course, like it's one of those places and where in November, man. I mean, I'm gonna visit for sure Toronto, but like yeah. live there for three to four years, I don't know. But uh... yeah. but even if you come visit, like it, one thing that's nice is I think it is like you know people do like to network. So if someone's from out of town, they'll say like, oh yeah, like hey, I met them doing this show in this town or whatever. Or if even if a Toronto comic is going elsewhere. Like when I was taking my one man show to like different cities, uh, like across Canada, um, to like some different festivals, I would then ask people like, you know, 
in Toronto being like, oh, like, does anyone, can anyone introduce me to some Montreal comics yeah. where I could perform on their show or Edmonton or, you know, London or wherever, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, I feel, I have, I, I network like that here and I travel on my own and I, I mean, I have like, I network a lot through, like I produced the all-female festival in Wichita. Oh, nice. I was supposed to do one this year and it was going to have sketch and improv and a film, mm. at least one film. Um, yeah. But now hopefully next year. But um, so, yeah, I, I have that kind of network here in America, uh, yeah. mostly in the Midwest. Unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of connection. I mean, I know a friend in Portland. I know some people in San Francisco. Um, I don't really know anybody that well in L.A., but I do know some people in L.A., um, so I know some people all over and, and since COVID I've met more, I mean, I know some people in the UK now, I know some people in, in Canada now. Um, yeah. yeah. So like, because of the online thing, because of the zoom mics and the zoom workshops and stuff. Um, but I was gonna say earlier, like my, since I can't go in and like expose men, like I want to, as a, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't go in there all spy like, because I am a woman, uh, I I started the nonprofit, and the whole point of the nonprofit is to get more. Uh, originally, it was females and queers, like LGBTQIA people. Yeah. But now I'm like, I just want to get the marginalized groups in areas where, like, there should be more Hispanic comedians here in Denver. I don't know why there aren't. Because we have a large Hispanic population in the state. It makes sense that there's not a lot of comedians of any other race because the, just percentage wise of the population there aren't a lot of other races but there's a yeah. huge hispanic population here there should be more hispanic comedians and like why aren't there and yeah. um but yeah just yeah. it's providing comedy classes and improv classes to people in marginalized groups to help them help yeah. them trauma but also like the bigger goal is to just fill the entertainment industry with a more diverse set of people. Yeah, for sure. And I like the thing I always like is that there are, I mean, there are comics who have completely different styles than me. Like I have more of a like personal storytelling style yeah, or where I'm like just making fun of things that have happened to me. Yeah. Like whether it's bowel disease, uh, not knowing yeah thanks well i'm a big like like mike berbiglia is a guy who i really like yeah uh so like that kind of stuff but um uh then there are like comics that friends of mine who are either really dark comics or like one of my best friends in uh the toronto comedy community is this guy cliff knight who's a guyanese born comedian and so he'll have jokes you know either about like guyanese culture or caribbean culture that i'll be like you know like I have no idea what this is, but I like the way he's telling it and he's saying funny stuff. So like, yeah. and it's kind of like, it opens you more to like more, I don't know, like the more perspectives you get, like you kind of, I don't know, it just makes it a more interesting scene and funnier. Like I like being able to be on a show where you have the like, you know, like for me, I'd be the Jewish jokes, the like, this is my wife joke, uh, or this is me being a clumsy husband with bowel disease jokes. And then the next person is, you know, like this is my angry feminist jokes, or like these are my like uh, being a single mom with three kids jokes, or mm -hmm. whatever. And then like, you know, the like black community jokes, Hispanic jokes, and stuff. And then like it's 
you know, it's a really interesting thing and instead of just being like six white guys talking about their dicks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or even six yeah. white guys talking about dating, six white guys talking about anything. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, their experiences are, are more than likely kind of the same. Um, yeah. For the most part. And yeah, it's because like comedians become and improv people get on Saturday Night Live, they become actors, they become, they, they act in commercials, they act in um, movies and they're just getting the diversity on people's screens and in their faces, I think is how you make a social change. It's one of the ways, it's part of making a social change. Like when we yeah. got like interracial couples that's not a thing anymore because we see it all the time now. It's no big deal. Or, you know, we're starting to get that way with like some gay people and like lesbian people, but they're still, they're still, they're, they're, they're either like the stereotype of gay and lesbian or they're very heteronormative gay and lesbians that have a clear man mm. and woman in the relationship and, yeah. and have a more heterosexual, like heteronormative, way they live their life but um you know i think that like my friend lynette i'm trying to get her into comedy she's a lesbian she's she's kind of a butch lesbian but she's not um she's like a dude and so she's gonna get away i think she's gonna get away with saying some things that mm. men want to say about women but they can't and yeah. it's gonna piss them off but um also, she's she just got a different perspective on it. Like usually, lesbian yeah. comedians that I know, first there aren't a lot of them. So, but the yeah. ones that I know, they're either like single cat lady lesbians, you know, yeah. or they're um, married. The ones that are successful, yeah. or they're married and they talk about their wife, and they have yeah. like this heteronormative like relationship, where she's like a single, like dude lesbian who is like about getting that pussy you know what i mean and so um but she's not like a young fuck boy she's 45 yeah it's like, like a whole different experience that that i don't see on stage and she's fun for sure and it's fun because and also like it's fresh it'll be like you see a new perspective new jokes i always really enjoy that yeah yeah, yeah so that's kind of what i'm looking for in the in with the nonprofit is like not just any person of color, not just any woman, not just any that wants to try it. But first of all, like somebody that I feel that comedy can help them the way comedy helped me uh, nice. be a more confident person. It's, it's really raised the bar when it comes to dating. Um, I'm still attracted to losers, but I'm catching it so much sooner. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's yeah. because I, no longer will accept certain treatment because I feel like who the fuck are you? I'm a comedian. I don't know. I know it's stupid, but whatever helps, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I feel like a level of confidence I never have and before a level of like self acceptance because I, my, my comedy is personal. So I'm going up there and telling these horrible things about myself, about my personality, things that have happened in my life. Um, and people are finding it funny. And so it, it makes me accept these bad things that happen to me. It's made me accept the, the bad things about myself that are just inherent in my personality. Um, it's, and then some of those things that are inherent in my personality 
went from being something I felt bad about myself to something I feel proud of yeah. uh, and see as a positive within myself. So it's, it's helped comedy. Like even if I never make, I, I don't want to be famous. I don't think I'm ever on a Netflix special. I, um, I don't have it. You know what I mean? Like there, you see the comedians that have it. There's yeah. it, the it factor and it's got nothing to do with looks. I can't even explain it. It's, it's just some people have it and I yeah. don't have it. Um, I'm funny enough. I'm, I'm good enough at joke writing. I'm funny enough to be respected by comedians um, or whatever. Um, and I'm not a dick. I'm a kind person mm. in general. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm going to, I'm never going to be famous, but it would be fun to help get the careers going of some famous people who then invite me to their island weddings or let me Perfect. live in their guest house uh, by their pool. You know, yeah. hang out at their fucking fancy <laughs> parties. I For want, sure. I want money. I want power, but not like to to, to use for good. Yeah, I want the power. Exactly. Like where, yeah, like I'd be like, oh, if only had more power, I could. Yeah, like you do this, help people this way. Um, I tried to do it over the like at the beginning of COVID. I'd have like a monthly fundraiser Zoom show, so I'd raise some money for like a different local Toronto charity, yeah. like a food, they like a food bank or something like that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, like that's, I can't, I can only, I, 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 there's so much wrong that I have no ability to control or help. You know, I can't do anything really uh, at the end of the day, if police want to kill people, I can't do anything mm. at the end of the day about who the president is. Um, I can vote, I can do my little part and it's all I can do. Um, so I feel like just so helpless. Like, so like, I was just like, how can I contribute to society mm -hmm. using my comedy, using comedy? How can I contribute to society? And I think like, so that's how the nonprofit started. And I'm just like, I want to be able to help people. Cause even if they never use the comedy, giving them the classes, giving them the tools, I think can help like women that have come out of trauma or abusive relationships, regain their confidence so that they can just hold their head up to make eye contact for a job interview or whatever, you know, just, I feel like there's a lot of ways that people can be helped with comedy. Um, that's not about making comedians, but inevitably, um, there will be some that get bit by the bug and become comedians. I would say, I, I'm saying 1%. If 1% of the people I help become actual comedians and do something with it, that'd be great. But that's not like the goal, um, the initial goal. Yeah. It's but like, it sounds like, it, honestly, it sounds like you're like, yeah, like it's great. It's helping other people using comedy to do something. Yeah, like do th something better with their life. And it is yeah, you know, like process stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Therapeutic. People make jokes about this as my therapy, but it really, I mean, it is therapeutic to take something that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you and make a jokes about it and make other people laugh. But my material about the worst thing that's ever happened to me, I'm still working on trying to make people laugh with it. But uh, I have five minutes that gets real uncomfortable. Um, but I love, I love telling those jokes even mm -hmm. I get a reaction. I may not get laughter. <laughs> yeah. I get laughs and I get moans and I mm -hmm. get what? And uh, 
holy shit, and uh, things like that. Uh, I enjoy telling those jokes because I'm just proud that I was able to write them, and I think it's funny. I find the worst thing that ever happened to me, I was able to find five minutes about it that I find hilarious. And so um, mm. that's all that really matters. That's why I have like, yeah, I like got some good material. That's what my tattoo says. So, oh, nice. Oh, that's sick. At least I got some good material, <laughs> you know. But I'm going to, I want to, I'm not going to have a gravestone, but if I did, that's yeah. what I'd want on it. That's a good epitaph. The other ones, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. I just got that one. That's uh, Stuart Sage's family, right? Stuart Smalley from. Yeah. Nice. Oh, so that's sick. Daily affirmations with Stuart Smalley. Yeah. Oh, but, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's like they're just reminders. Like when shitty things happen, I'm like, okay, all right, everything's vibing, <laughs> and I'm upset. I'm just later perfect for that. I'm like, all right, things are fine. Things are fine. Um. I'm going to get some material out of this breakup. It'll be all right. Mm -hmm. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. People like me. They don't. Because I like feel. Uh, I didn't used to be like this till like some shit happened. But I, I, I get like real paranoid that I'm annoying people or that they don't like that. I'm, I'm bothering them or annoying them or they don't like me or like, you know, like that self-doubt fucking. Um, what's the word? imposter syndrome thing you know mm. um i never feel funny enough i never feel good enough i never feel enough yeah. and so like this just reminds me that i am enough in that people like me just the way i am just nice. remembering that i'm enough as i am yeah. and that at least i'll get some material out of whatever shitty thing happened to me uh yeah. and i've just been trusting in the but i ended up in denver uh I lived in my car for like seven months, my SUV, because I just had to escape Wichita. And I was just like, I'm just going to trust, I'm just going to go. And I'm just going to trust that the universe is going to provide me what I need, when I need it, if I'm putting myself in the position to be open to the opportunity, you know? And so yeah. that's, that's kind of, I just, people have God or whatever. I mean, it's basically what my mom was saying. Like, I want, I wish you had Jesus. So you could, in these tough times, you could just trust that Jesus has things under control when you don't. And so now I'm just like embracing the chaos. Life is chaos. Yeah. Uh, there's very little I have control over. So when they say focus on the things you can control, that's very, there's not a lot really that you have any control over. You don't have the control over your gender of your baby. You don't have, you know, there's just, there's so yeah. many things you have absolutely no control over. Like, so when you, when you take and you just focus on the things you control, you're not really, you don't have to think about a lot. You don't have to worry about a lot because there's not a lot of things you control. So it's like, yeah. I have no control over that. I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, whatever, yeah. whatever happens is going to happen. I'm just going to trust the universe is going to give me the experience that I need to learn my, whatever lesson it is I need to learn at the time or whatever uh, reward I am deserving of. Uh, yeah. I feel like will come to me if I'm open to it. So there's always a lesson to be learned in failure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's how you learn. That's how you learn. That's how I learn. Uh, my problem is I have to have the same failure like over and over before I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I can get it right this time. Yeah. I can get it right this time. Like, Nope. Can't get that one right. I can get it right this time. So I probably like 
it makes me like hang on to jokes longer than I should if I love the joke. Like the joke's just not working, yeah. well, and I'm like, I'm gonna make that fucking joke work. And yeah. then, you know, yeah. It's the same. I have the same philosophy with relationships sometimes. I'm like, I can make it work this time. I know, like, I didn't make it work with this kind of person last time, but this time will be different. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've had to learn that I just can't date addicts. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, fair enough. Even recovered addicts. Um, I just. I need someone with self-control. That's really, that's really a big thing that I have finally learned. It's probably the biggest epiphany I've learned over the last year and a half of dating uh, is that I, I have to have somebody that has the ability to, con to control themselves and control their behavior and not be easily addicted to things or let them take over their lives. Hmm. So even Pat, even people that have recovered from addiction can be, they still can have some of the attitudes of an addict, like selfishness. It takes a level of selfishness to be an addict because uh, you have to stop caring about everyone else and only care about that drug and yourself. So, but they still, that, that, that personality trait of being selfish like that is still there. It's in them. Uh, yeah. So I just, which is hard because most people my age are recovering from some bullshit. I've never been addicted to anything, so I feel like it's possible. I mean, I've done a lot of drugs, but I've never been addicted to anything. Hmm. But yeah, self, do you have self-control? I have self-control. If I feel like a drug is taking control of me, I'll stop. Because I'm not going to let that drug control me. Except nicotine. Yeah. Except nicotine. I, <laughs> I, I had to do the same thing because I felt I wouldn't be confident uh, like getting stoned and let's say if I had to then go and like pick up my like baby crying in the middle of the night. So like, yeah. I'm taking a like sort of weed hiatus now yeah. for the next little while. Until I get like the parent, a bit more comfortable with the parenting thing, then I'll go back to it. And so like, I, my wife wasn't saying that she, like she didn't tell me like I have to, but she was like, I think it's a good idea. And I was like, I was kind that of in agreement sense. with that. I was like, that makes sense. Uh, I don't need it. So I can take a break. And then if, let's say, like, nine months down the road or whatever, a year or whatever, like, however long it takes. I've gone, like, years before without having any weed. So yeah, it I ends up being that way again. I smoked a lot of weed in high school, you know, and then I had kids really young. So, yeah, I didn't smoke weed for, like, regularly for years and years. Uh, because, yeah, I had small kids to take care of, and I had to have my wits about me. I couldn't be... Mm -hmm stoned and there be a fire and I have I mean the good thing about weed is like you will come down not if you eat half a loaf of weed banana yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but you know just normal everyday marijuana use yeah, like right now sure. I'm high but if the house yeah. caught on fire I would be instantly not high anymore and I could like go about my mm. life uh and save myself or whatever but yeah, yeah like yeah so like I can't be all doped up on edibles uh, fucking yeah. trying to save my baby in the middle of the night when I can't move. Um, yeah. I had so many edibles a while back, like on a Sunday, I was just really depressed. So like every two hours I was eating a 10 milligram edible. And so mm -hmm. like, I ended up eating like eight or so plus dabbing <laughs> throughout the day. So by the time I went to bed that night, I was so fucking high that I couldn't move. And I was laying yeah. there and I was like, did I have a stroke? Like, yeah. did I have so much weed that I had a stroke? Is that possible? I can't. Yeah. And I was like, fuck it. If I have a stroke, 
I have yeah. a, if I had a stroke, then I'm just gonna go to sleep. If I die, I die. <laughs> yeah. I feel great. I didn't feel bad. I just couldn't move yeah. my body. But I felt amazing. So yeah, fuck it. <laughs> die, I die. It's my time. Um, yeah. but yeah, like I I couldn't have got up to take care of a baby. Yeah. I couldn't have held but, a baby. Yeah. But you didn't need to because it wasn't like Yeah, because there's yeah. no baby around. I did that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I didn't start comedy until I was 38, so I had all my kids, they're grown. I had a whole a whole different life. Like, I, I feel like I've lived several lives, but right, it gets super dark in here all of a sudden. I think a cloud went over the sun. Oh, it could be, yeah. Yeah, I don't have my stick lamp anymore, thank yeah. No, I, yeah. I was not attached to the lamp. I, I My son was like, I don't think I have room for it in my room. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll stick it here. Um, yeah. I do need to get another lamp for over here though, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't, I didn't like when you have a kid, it's about what's best for the kid. Yeah. It's your life for the Second rest of day. your life for, for at least the next 20 years, probably doesn't matter what you yeah. want doesn't matter. What you need doesn't matter. I mean, to a certain degree, you have to stay healthy and stuff for your kid. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for your kid. And if that means you can't go on tour with your one man show, it means you can't go on tour with one man show. You know, you have to do what's in the best interest of your child. Uh, And so I just, you know, I took all that energy I devoted to these children, which there was four of them. So it's a lot of energy. And I just pushed, took it and put it on comedy. Cause I had, yeah. I don't have anything else. I have, ugh, when COVID hit, I had nothing. And so maybe it has made me start thinking maybe I should get something else. Um, yeah. Cause like, I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have the kids to take care of. I have nothing. All I have is comedy. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good place to be in when comedy can be so easily taken from me. I just, yeah. It never entered my mind that comedy could be that easily taken away from me. I was like, as long as I'm not being an asshole and, you know, I'll be, I'm not going to get canceled. Um, That's the only way comedy can be taken from you. And even then you just move to a scene that doesn't mind your bullshit. Start over. It's very few of, very few people are well known enough in a local scene that if they get canceled, they couldn't go to another scene and just fucking do it again. Um, So it's like even then, so it's hard for comedy to be canceled, to cancel you uh, fully. But, um, but yeah, but apparently a pandemic just immediately, boom, shut down. Like I did a show March 14th in Loveland, Kansas, or Loveland, Colorado with a packed bar and March 16th, the world ended. There was yeah. nothing out of nowhere. No mics, no shows, no leaving your house, no nothing. So I went from like grinding for the last year or so, like five, seven nights a week. Uh, mm. It'd been five. I started dating somebody. And I would see them once or twice a week. It was seven, uh, especially when yeah. I was in my SUV. What am I going to do? Just chill out in my car by myself? No, I'm going to go to a mic. I'm going to go watch a show. So I was doing something comedy related, whether it was a mic, watching a show or being on a show five nights a week for the yeah. last year. And then suddenly I, I have nothing. I have no hobbies. I have no other talents. I have uh, no other means of income, really, besides door dashing. I have uh, nothing. I have nothing. 
I have no friends. I have no community. I have nothing without comedy. And that's, I don't like that. I don't like that yeah. comedy has that much power and control over my life that it can all be, it, it's not even that comedy has the power and control that people have the power and control to take away comedy. Like, yeah. like in the government, just shut everything down. Um, I don't like it. So I'm, I, I'm still spiraling. I, I don't know if I'm going to, I'm never going to find anything as fulfilling as comedy. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough to like, uh, get, being a parent is very that. fulfilling, but I already did that. So you, yeah, have, yeah. you have other, you have a wife, you have other things. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing. Other. Well, <laughs> I mean, you've got the show that you did and, uh, that you're doing and I, you know, it's nice to be on the show. Yeah, I do. But it's all comedy related. I mean, my yeah. nonprofit is comedy related. My this is comedy related. Everything's comedy related. Yeah. I, I I really like. I I've been trying. I got. I bought a cello. Oh nice! So you can do some cello. I used to play it in seventh grade, and I regret quitting. Uh, I can't uh-huh. get it stringed. I can't get the fucking strings on it. So I've had uh-huh. it for like two months, and I can't play it or learn it, and I probably won't. It was a cheap one. Mm-hmm. but you know I'm not gonna have a passion for the cello so it's like mm-hmm. I'm trying to find other things I can do yeah if I can't perform or produce like what the fuck do I do with my life just work and sit at home like what am I <laughs> gonna do I have to have some sort of outlet a creative outlet yeah so well, I guess that's what this time is haven't found it uh to be used yeah kind of to be used for yeah it's, yeah, yeah and just i've been i really like the podcast even though no one's listening probably uh i haven't looked mm-hmm. i'm sure there's stats that i could look at but i haven't looked at them right. uh well, well let me know when it's on and i'll yeah. definitely uh post and i'm more scheduled this season last season was a shit show it doesn't matter mm-hmm. no one's listening but yeah last season i just i would i just i just would let them build up. But last season I didn't, I limit myself to one, one, the days I can do them now. I don't do them every day. I limit it to one a day. I was doing like two, three a day. And so by the time I was done, like on that third person, I didn't give a shit about anything there today. I was repeating myself over and over every day. And I'm just like, I can't do this. But yeah, so I I changed it season two. I'd like to get like an intro song or something made and Mm. eventually, make it a little more produ- production value but i'm not editing this shit if 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 somebody wanted to come along and be a producer and edit this shit down to something more concise and interesting i would be down with that but i'm not doing it i fucking hate editing on yeah. it i edit the ones where i interview women for the art of comedy podcast very concisely they get down to like 10 15 minutes because they're specific things i'm talking about but otherwise yeah. I'm not editing this shit. There's no okay. way. There's no yeah. way. So, but it was really great talking to you. Yeah, likewise, Helen. Thanks so much for having me on. It was great. I hope, I, I really do want to make it up to Toronto. I want to make it up. I want to go up like San Francisco, up the West Coast, up into Canada. You know, that's, nice. I don't really care about Southern California or LA, but like the Northwest and Canada, yeah. I'd like to do that. Uh, it'd be well, really fun to just go all the way up across Canada and back down the East Coast 
Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, anywhere in Canada, like, let me know. Like, I, um, because I know some people in like, yeah, Vancouver, Edmonton. Edmonton, Edmonton's got a really great comedy scene. Uh, and I know some people in Winnipeg and yeah, Toronto, obviously Montreal, that sort yeah, of thing. Cool. Definitely, cool. yeah. All right. Well, it was great to talk to you. And if you're, you know, definitely, uh, do you have like clips to your one man show? Uh, unfortunately, not to my one man show. I do have a clip uh, on a show called Tinder Tales, which is like a dating stories show okay. uh, of me. It's just like me talking about trying to hook up at an Orthodox Jewish wedding. It's a fun little okay. uh, story. So I can always send you that clip. Yeah, send me that, and I'll put it in the one. <coughs> It in the bio when I put it put this up. Oh, cool! Thanks a lot. Yeah, and let me know. I'll when tag it's you out. on August fifth when it comes out and stuff. Sweet, please do. But it was good to talk to you, and I'll talk to you later. Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. Have a great one. You too. Thanks. See you, Helen.